Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. Welcome to season six of Classic Doctor Who. It's very exciting to be here. <laughs> In the space age future of season six with the Dominators part one, which you just watched. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have such a weird history, non-history with this story mm-hmm. that I was, I've was i been very excited to watch it. Yeah. What, and what is that history? Okay. So I'm, I never saw it. At least I'm pretty sure I haven't. If I did, it was when I was young enough that I have forgotten about it. Um and I don't think I've even seen any clips from it. I have seen some stills. So, like, I kind of knew what Quarks looked like, and I kind of knew what the Dominators looked like. I did not know anything about the uh, the Dulcians, like, what they looked like in their old-fashioned Grandma Curtain <laughs> outfits. <laughs> um, but I had the Target novelization of the Dominators, and... For a long time, it was like the book that I would just keep in my backpack, like my bag with me. So anytime I had a few moments like, you know, waiting for a doctor's appointment or waiting for a bus or something like that, I would, Mm -hmm. you know, whip it out and read it. But that happened so infrequently that I would forget what I'd read and I would have to start over. So I've read the first chapter of the Target novelization of The Dominators. I don't know how many times. And I never actually finished the book. <laughs> so the beginning, like the beginning of this first episode seemed very familiar to me because right. I had read it so many times. And then by the time we got toward the end of the first episode, I think we got towards the parts that I either read just once or not at all. And so, yeah, so the rest of this will be a mystery to me in terms of what happens. But just like the beginning of it seemed weirdly familiar in in the way that sometimes... Doctor Who stories are when you've read the Target novelization but not actually seen them on screen. And it was written by Ian Martyr, I think, too. And he had a habit of sort of like mixing stuff around. Like it wasn't like a straight word for rope word novelization of a story. So it's also possible that what, however Martyr was telling the story is different than how you saw it too. Mm-hmm. Now, Yep. So, so yeah, I remember you making fun of me <laughs> when we first... Started started talking to each other because like it had been that had, that book had sort of been my carry around with me book for a while mm-hmm. before we started talking to each other and when you found out that this random girl that you met on the internet carried around a Target novelization book of the Dominators of all stories you laughed very hard. I did, didn't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, my personal history of this story uh, extends to two distinct memories. One pizza pops uh you're gonna need to explain what pizza pops are for our american listeners pizza pops are i think they're made by pillsbury up in this part of the world i don't know what maybe they're called something else in america like pizza pockets they might be pizza pockets or pizza pops here anyway which is great on a microphone i hear i hear pop and i think like a popsicle like a thing on a stick they were not were they on a stick it was very much like a pizza pocket basically like a you know, a uh, half circle filled with pizza stuff. I don't know why. I always had pizza pops in the freezer when I was like in my teenage years, as many kids did. I would heat them up, usually two at a time, and eat them. And for some reason, uh, one of those many times, I remember heating up and watching like the Dominators, either for the first time or maybe for the 80th time. I don't know. <laughs> but for some reason, pizza pops and the Dominators stick together with me. Also, uh, for many people at the time, the Dominators was like the first realization, if you hadn't seen episode guides before, that you had just watched The War Machines and wondered, okay, so why did they skip over most of season three in Doctor Who? And then all of a sudden, boom, 
the next thing that would air would be the Dominators because it was the next complete story. <laughs> so think about that when we watched the very end of season three and all of a sudden we're at the beginning of season six, how little Doctor Who in full story form existed back in those days. And so that sent me scurrying to my uh, episode guide and, and wondered what happened to all the missing episodes. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. So then you would have missed almost all of Ben and Polly and the entirety of Victoria. Yeah, exactly. That's a crime. Isn't it though? Yeah. And so, and yeah, because, you know, because um, like I could understand, I guess, why they would skip season three, but to sort of like not have a regeneration sequence. It was like, who are these three new people? I had to decide where, decipher where these episodes were from. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah, and then the fact that the doctor is coming out talking about how tired he is from, <laughs> you know, it's not from regeneration, it's from providing us all with a repeat. <laughs> yep, still ties in. It's still a canonical repeat uh, after seven weeks of the evil of the Daleks before, although they shot this immediately after they shot the, the wheel in space. Mm. And, then, and then the mind robber came immediately after that, and then they had a production break. Oh. Yeah, I know. Um yeah, and there's there's other fascinating things afoot about this story that play out in future in recording-wise. For instance, I don't know if you noticed, but um, the brief shot on location towards the end of episode one where Jamie and the Doctor are walking through the quarry, mm-hmm. it wasn't Patrick Troughton as, as a Doctor. What? Well, I, you know what, I... I noticed that it looked different because like suddenly it was on film and I don't know it just it stood out to me as as being very different mm-hmm. maybe one of the reasons that stood out is because like I just sort of subconsciously recognized that the body language was different mm-hmm. and that like because it definitely I, like it pinged to me for some reason and I was just thinking oh maybe it's just you know video to to film and suddenly we're outside but now I think if I watched it again maybe I could pretty easily pick that out because right. i feel like somewhere some on some level my brain knew yeah well there are other uh location shots with uh, the doctor in them for you to look at more closely <laughs> over the next four episodes um but yeah because trout was basically saying uh i'm tired i don't want to do like he was starting to get disillusioned by the production of it all and so it um I, I think he didn't want to go on location for this because that would mean taking him out of rehearsal for the previous story and so like he was the, the workload load was starting to weigh on him basically um another thing that you mentioned like oh, norman ashby the writer norman ashby you were you're like saying who is this isn't that what you're saying yeah like that's not a name that i recognized at all nope nor would you it's a pseudonym <gasps> What? <laughs> yep. It's a pseudonym for Mervyn Hazeman and Henry Lincoln, creator of the Yeti. This was their third and, as it turned out, final contribution to Doctor Who, the Dominators. Ah, why was it not under their own name? Because, uh, and this begins the chaos that is season six uh, in production, um, but also eventually leads to the war games being coming a thing. Um, the It was originally a six-part story, but as the scripts are being... The Dominators was originally... Sorry, yeah. The Dominators was originally a six-part story. The, the scripts are coming in, and Derek Sherwin and Peter Bryant were not happy with them increasingly. And then they basically said, listen, uh, we'll pay you off for the sixth episode, but we're just going to rewrite everything ourselves. And basically truncated the final three episodes into two episodes. So 
there you go. And and later on, we'll talk about the mind robber as to why that's five episodes right. because it inherits the the sixth episode essentially. So, and Hazeman and Lincoln were upset about this. They were also upset about other things that we'll get into, which led to them not writing for the series again, and et cetera, et cetera. It, it becomes an interesting mm-hmm. point over the next few episodes. So, is is the name change because they were unhappy? And didn't want their name on it, or was it simply because they didn't actually write the last two episodes? It was just all of that put together. The former. It's a okay. pseudonym made up of their uh, uh, father-in-law's <laughs> names, I believe, last names. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Well, you know what? When it comes to classic Doctor Who, sometimes <laughs> taking a few episodes and chopping them down to a few <laughs> fewer episodes is not necessarily right. a bad thing. So I am interested to to go on and see how this plays out and and how it feels. Uh, I know that the Dominators has a really rotten reputation in terms of received fan wisdom, but as I keep learning, received fan wisdom is bunkety bunk bunk. Huh. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not terribly not terribly worried because so far I mean I I almost always like first episodes except for the wheel in space um that's like the the uh, exception I thought I liked other like all the rest of the episodes yeah. of the wheel in space better than the first one um but yeah I am um, I I really liked this one you did mm-hmm. go on what what <laughs> struck you about this one why do you sound so surprised I, know. I just I just love hearing why you like first episodes <laughs> about the I I enjoy watching these stories for the first time with you because i i follow extra close and i find stuff to enjoy about them and things but what did you like first tell me are you not a big fan of this first episode of this story like if you were watching it not with me would you just kind of be like ho-hum i think i think just fans have sort of laughed at bits of it i just like how rago and toba basically are a bitchy couple on vacation and just yell at each other through the entire episode which i find quite amusing i really liked that uh at the beginning it had it started to wear on me a little bit toward toward the end of the episode but um but i liked I feel like I'd, I'd seen pictures of them before, so I knew about like the high-shouldered like. You probably saw them on the cover of the novelization that sat in your bag <laughs> for so long. Yeah, actually, I think you're right. Uh, but what th- what that uh, novelization cover didn't make clear was the epic square fringe that's like all the way up and down all the black part of their costume that is amazing and must have taken so much work to put together i i applaud that as a costuming choice i thought it looked cool and i'm sure it has some sort of science fictiony um you know reason for it that you could totally head canon in or that they thought of at the time and just i haven't learned yet um anyway so i thought the costumes were the thought costumes were great and it was like the um, who's the the one like that just wants to kill, kill, destroy, destroy. It's uh, Toba. Toba, yeah. So he's he's very much like scenery chewing, and I hate him, but I hate him in the best way possible <laughs> because uh-huh. like I'm I'm enjoying hating him because he's he's just terrible. <laughs> like, how did he get this job? He d- he does not belong as like one of the only two people who are uh, you know the vanguard on this planet you know trying to get stuff started. He's terrible. Uh, I feel like it, is his dad in charge of something kind of like Cully, um, <laughs> right. or what? Uh, but yeah, so then you know his his boss Rago. Yes. Um, trying to put him in his place and it's just not working very well and they're they're super ineffective. But you know what? 
there are a lot of really ineffective human beings in charge of things now more than ever. Yeah. And uh, so I don't find it at all hard to believe that these guys would be in a in such a sufficiently sufficiently advanced society that they have an entire fleet of ships heading out um, for some reason in a formation that looks just like the, uh, the Starfleet insignia, which was weird, like laying on its side. I don't know if you noticed that. Well, that's what you meant by Star Trek. I thought, like, yeah. did the Enterprise fly in that formation with its shuttle? I didn't understand. No, like, it looks like the shape of, you know, the, the, the communicator badge that they right. tapped. It, like, it's just the Starfleet insignia. Anyway, I'm sure it was totally a coincidence, but that made me think of that. So they've got this many, this many ships. They're out there doing their thing. They're probably all over the universe, so... So sure, there's going to be a couple of ships that have two doofuses like this yep. that are that are in charge. Um, so yeah, so I enjoyed that. I thought their ship was was neat looking from the outside. And then we cut to the Dulcians, who are yeah them. Like I said, I hadn't seen before, so I wasn't expecting their costumes. I try not to judge the clothing of other societies. <laughs> But, you know, looking at it from a doyalist perspective that, like, this is something that was created in the real world to look alien. I don't think they quite hit alien. I think they just hit, like, let's go to the thrift shop and buy some stuff that we can, like, put together. And sure, here's some curtains. Let's just tie them up real tight and put them around your midsections. Yeah. And they act as skirts, essentially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's basically like their their sundresses, like women's style sundresses that are off the shoulder, mm-hmm. and uh, but then they have like other clothes underneath. It's strange looking. Yeah, yeah. The the costuming is 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 one of the the things that people comment about this episode. But well. I will never hold costuming against an episode nope. unless it's unless there's some particular reason for for it to be like egregious or you know. It, culturally appropriative or something like that Mm. Uh, this is just weird (laughs) so yeah so it made me laugh at first Um, but I I enjoyed the idea that we have this group of people who are illegally visiting a dangerous place just to get their kicks which Mm -hmm. seems to make sense on a planet that is uh, as the doctor says is so so peaceful and they've outlawed war and all that stuff and yeah what are teenagers gonna do in a in a peaceful society like that, they got to get their kicks somehow. So sure, bunch of space yabos. Yeah, pretty much. Well, not space, Dulkin. Well, I know, but they're not on Earth, so we call them space yabos. <laughs> well, maybe you do. Uh, and I liked uh, kind of liked in that I was slightly annoyed by, but in a way that made sense. How quick they were to not believe him and just ran off and got killed and ooh that was a more gruesome death uh, for what's her face than I was expecting yeah her face like or yeah they (laughs) melted a photograph of her Mm. but essentially it was effective though and quite awful yeah and I think that it was a very smart move to show that and to show the destruction of their ship Mm mm-hmm before they actually showed the quarks. Because if they had just showed the quarks first, yeah. it probably would have been like, oh, and then, and then if they showed the quarks blowing things up, like it's too late, you can't get that back. First impressions are everything. Yeah. Like, And the quarks are still kind of like, oh, too cute. But we've seen their firepower, we've seen what they're capable of ahead of time. So you at least get that sort of frisson of... You know, it's like a, a teddy bear mauling somebody, you know, like, oh, it's so cute. But holy crap, it is deadly. Like the little bunny in um, Monty Python, the Holy Grail. 
Exactly. If you've seen it, I don't know if you have. Many times. Okay. Yes. You did go to college after all. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I went to high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's very much like that. Their 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 reputation precedes them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That which which was necessary because they are cute. I think I'm still uh, Team Chumbly in terms of what's the cutest ridiculous Doctor Who monster, right. but the quirks are up there. Yeah, the quirks were like uh, intended to be, ooh, the next big thing, you know, oh, they're going to be the new Daleks, uh, the, the first new Daleks since the Vord and the Zarbi and the Chumblies and the Mechanoids and all the other... Yeti. Yeti, I suppose. They actually came back twice. They were written by these same people, so I, yeah, they had they had big things in mind for the quirks. I think the writers had more big things in mind for the quirks than the rest of the show did, and I think they, they tried to use the quirks later on i have to read up on this but that's one reason why hazeman and lincoln didn't write for the show again is that i think the bbc tried to use the quarks and they tried to like sort of mm. have the copyright for the quarks mm-hmm. uh anyway uh, that the reason here by the way this whole issue with uh, Doctor Who and Hazeman and Lincoln are why it's sometimes difficult to get uh, references to the Brigadier because they also claimed uh, creatorship of the Brigadier and the Yeti as well because they wrote um, The Web of Fear way back when. And so mm-hmm. there's so that's why it says Hazeman and Lincoln created the Yeti in the credits, I think, too, sometimes. So this, this the Dominators, is why <laughs> this whole stuff. It's, it's, a, it's a historically significant <laughs> Doctor Who story. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we have university students coming in. Yep. And yeah, I, I appreciate the idea that they have this island where, you know, they're, they're a society that has been technologically advancing and they, you know, kind of stumble upon atomic power and realize that that can be, you know, a really good, powerful thing. But then they also realize, oh, it could be have destructive force. So instead of just moving ahead with it, let's test the destructive force, see how bad it is. Oh, it's really bad. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to stop this line of, uh, of, of you know, research and find some other safer forms of power to use. And apparently that worked because they've got like friggin' ships that can, you know, travel and, <clears throat> and through water or space or I'm not even sure if they were flying or... They, they were supposed to be flying, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so flying, but without like, you know, obviously it wasn't like jet propulsion engines or no. anything like that. So uh, I think that's cool. I think that's a nice sort of, wouldn't it be nice if Earth would have uh, <laughs> would have done that and mm-hmm. gone in a different direction? Oh, you know? Yeah, I think I think there were, I don't know where the, the what was at fault and who wrote what, but I think the initial remit from the story is a little more satirical about like nuclear power and perhaps the peace movement as well and that's sort of like uh-huh. bits of that got quashed in the rewrites and everything which mm-hmm. is another reason perhaps it's kind of like wow here was the original story then it sort of gets flattened down into this which might mm-hmm. be another reason why people don't see this as highly as others and I guess that will probably come through as we watch more future episodes but just sort of the the setup of the society and the basics that we've been given in this episode so far, I, I find interesting. Although it was a little bit annoying that uh, nobody believed Kali at all, yep. um, which I think is stupid. I mean, in part because they've been coming here every single year to take these readings for 172 years, mm-hmm. and they get here, and there's no radiation. That's a big deal. Mm. Something is off. Maybe you should believe, like, you know, 
or at least, you know, have the scientific fortitude to sort of look into every possibility and they just completely write him off. And that was that was a little bit annoying, which, you know, makes me think, OK, so is this that kind of society where they're just stalled and stale? Yeah, yeah it, sh- it shows how like little yeah. that they how in non-inquisitive this society is now where they just sort of like passive and just like yep. oh whatever we're everything's set up we don't need to be curious about things anymore or anything like that they mm-hmm. just yeah yep so mm-hmm. yeah interesting yeah. that's a little bit annoying but uh but true to the society that we are finding ourselves in in this story in Belkis. Mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. and then you know great cliffhanger with the final you finally get to see the quarks yeah. <laughs> should we destroy <laughs> Mm-hmm. I've never uh, I'm glad this uh, DVD came out because for years I never knew what the hell the quarks were saying I don't know if you did I wouldn't have been able to pick it out without yeah. the, the subtitles mm-hmm. that we had on like I would have thought it was just <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. which is what I think it is too mm-hmm. but I can see now it's not the first uh, maybe probably won't be the last Doctor Who monster like the mechanoids mm-hmm. who like I don't I, I never understood what the mechanoids were saying until mm-hmm. I saw DVD subtitles as well so yeah yeah I mean it's nice to have creepy scary robotic alien different vo- vocal stylings mm-hmm. but when you can't actually understand what they're saying it sort of nerfs the effectiveness a little bit mm-hmm. mm. anything else about Dominators 1 I don't, I don't think so. Okay, I think this episode premiere in August of, no September. I don't know why I thought August. <laughs> I just don't know why September thirtieth, nineteen sixty eight. For some reason, the date sticks out to me. Wow. Or maybe it is August. I don't know. I just mm-hmm. remember this is like a late summer kind of story because of that. Another reason why I don't know why. Why it's weird how some Doctor Who episodes will sort of like lodge itself in its in your brain for dumb reasons like late summer and pizza pops. But here we are. <laughs> here we are. Yeah. Do we need to get some pizza pops for the next episode? I have thought about it as we we're talking <laughs> about it. So maybe before we watch episodes two through five, mm-hmm. maybe I'll walk across the street and pick some up for those episodes i i'm sort of still in my uh holiday gluten dairy mini binge so and i've never had a pizza pop so maybe it's time for me to experience the canadianness that is uh, a pizza pop La- lazy doctor who <laughs> television event <laughs> crossover with pillsbury pizza pops all right it's on okay All right. Well, until next time, when we have uh, more quirks and more pizza pops, two things that sound pretty adorable. Yeah. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye.